welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends. Wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content, you could find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media. You can find us at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who continues to revel in the fact that Tennessee will always be the second UT. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, I'm fantastic. Uh, look, Tennessee's Tennessee's a good good program, right? They have a solid institution. They have a, 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 a really good attempt at a color, right? They're like 90% of the way there. You know, they got the orange down. Just burn it. You're good. You know, if it ain't burning, it ain't turn. Um, they, they have a really good baseball team now. You know, we've been to Omaha 37 times. Um, but th- there was uh, a... a I guess opinion that Tennessee was really, you know, their fans and, and rightful to, to feel so. And we might just on this very podcast, talk about overall athletic programs, um, but their fans were so excited. They're number one right now in baseball and they, they, they've been number one in football. They've won a national championship. They had women's basketball dominance, men's basketball. They've been number one softball. They've even been number one. They said, surely we must be the only school to ever have done this. But then they did the research and, they're second. Uh, yeah. they, the other UT beat them to it. UT had done it, um, which, you know, was a good chance to to take a look. And UT had um, not only had those schools, right? They had done both men's and women's. Uh, the big three, basically, just say it. You know, go one further. Volleyball as well, right? Uh, softball, volleyball, and women's basketball. And then obviously football, men's basketball, baseball. But they've also done it in 11 other sports like almost any way you want to slice it ut has been number one in just about uh, everything that they actually compete in and, and if you stay tuned to this very podcast you might hear some specifics about everything that they actually compete in and uh and and how that shakes out on an on a overall athletic program stage so if you're a person that turns the podcast off immediately after the opening, you're a weirdo. But also, Kyle said stay tuned. Literally the first thing we're going to do, we have a guest on today. For the first of our kind of new format Thursday, we're kind of just doing some not off topic, but not on topic subjects, just some things that are interesting to us as people that are also tangentially related. And this one's pretty directly related to Longhorn Sports. So we've got friend of the show, Brett Wilkinson on he's going to come on and talk to us about the director's cup and and kind of a little bit about the history of the director's cup and the changes Uh, if you're not familiar with it uh, UT won the director's cup a year ago and uh, according to his maths um, Texas might be in a in a in a solid spot heading into the the close of it so we'll talk to him Uh, he's got a great breakdown for us we'll uh, obviously do our BOL all of the pro longhorns and all the tangential longhorn things there and we'll close the show out with some Godzilla draw. We, we've always been really invested and interested in the Director's Cup as the, the podcast kind of loves to give the shine to the other sports. And friend of the show, I, we say that jokingly a lot, but actually friend of the show, uh, Brett Wilkinson is, is with us. And he's been kind of keeping us up to date uh, on what's going on with the Director's Cup. And so we've got Brett on uh, today to, to kind of walk us through. Like he's got like math and research and spreadsheets, which is <laughs> way smarter than a guy who took math for non-majors in college. But but 
if you have spreadsheets, you know it's real. So, uh, <laughs> Brett, uh, welcome uh, to the podcast, and uh, we're glad to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. There are definitely some Excel spreadsheets involved um, to keep track of this, but I, I appreciate y'all having me. I appreciate y'all for the podcast y'all put on on a weekly basis, and uh, glad to jump on. Well, we're glad to have you. So if you're not familiar with the Director's Cup, the Director's Cup is the uh, annual award given to the top athletic department in the country. And uh, there's a lot of scoring that goes into it, but but Brett's done some research. And so like, if you if you were kind of to, to walk people through the Director's Cup and its significance, Brett, like just, just give us like a 30,000 foot view of what that would be. There's a few different people who try to quantify, you know, which athletic department is best. And there's a few different ways um, that people go about that. And this is one of those ways. I think they're all flawed in one way or another. Um, so one of the other big rewards is the Capital One Cup. Completely different scoring system. A lot of overlap in who's going to win it. Um, a lot of overlap in Texas having some success. But, for example, Texas will never win that contest because they favor sports that Texas does not compete in. Uh, the uh, Director's Cup, on the other hand, Texas has an uphill battle to face. But with the across-the-board success that Texas has been having lately, um, there is a chance for Texas to win this by scoring points in up to 19 of the 20 sports that we have on campus. And out of the the 19, you know, uh, that they're scoring, there's some mandatory across, right? Like when you talk about the different scoring systems and what they favor, what is the Director's Cup? What are the mandatories that every school is measured on? That's right. So the mandatories, and this is only since 2017. So this was a big change. And this is what I think has helped unseat Stanford a bit. Every school has to include football, basketball, both men's and women's and baseball. And it's it's crazy you say that when you know UT we we've talked about is in their their most down uh, decade of football. But again, that's why we like folks you know listening to this podcast, having our our guests on. You get, you got to look at the full spectrum. This is the true view. Football is but a component. It's not necessarily weighted. In any sport is not weighted one point five versus one versus another. Is that right? That's right. In this one, it is not. Um, everything across the board is weighted equally. So football is not going to contribute any points this year, but the other nineteen sports on campus will potentially, and that's that's why Texas has a shot. So you, you talked about nineteen, but we only mentioned you know the the four that are uh, automatic qualifiers. So like, how how does the rest of the scoring work? So you get scoring for football, men's and women's basketball, baseball, but then there's again fifteen other sports out there. So like, how does that determine what goes into the scoring? Like all like I, I don't know as much about it as I wish I did. Yeah, let, let me go back to the beginning with the initial scoring system, and then we'll talk about the change that's happened that's that's helped Texas out a little bit. So when this started back in 1993, basically you could score points for any 10 men's sports and 10 women's sports. There were no mandatory sports at that time. Um, so in that first year, actually, North Carolina won. Uh, Mia Hamm. Uh, won a, a soccer championship. They won a women's basketball championship and, and had success across the board. They won the very first year. Stanford went on to win first place for 25 years in a, in a row. Wow. And, and something changed in 2017 with the scoring that made it a little bit more likely for some teams to unseat Stanford. So in 2017, that's when they changed to the 19 sports 
instead of 20. There used to be 10 and 10. Now there's 19. They took away any gender requirements. So it doesn't have to be men's sports or women's sports. It's just 19 sports. And that 19 number came from, that's the average number of sports on for D1 schools. Yeah. So D1, you can score 19. Now the median, talking about math for non-majors, <laughs> median number of sports in D1 is actually 16. So over 50% of your D1 colleges can't even field the 19 teams that can potentially score. So some people still say 19 might be too many, but that was one of the changes that happened in 2017, which helped Texas out a little bit. Texas has nine men's teams. Texas has 11 women's sports. So we now have 20. We need 19 of those to score. Over the years, you can see on the old scoring system, when you had to have 10 men's teams, well, Texas has only hit, ever had nine men's sports. Yeah. So that was a disadvantage. Texas, back in 93, when it started, only had eight women's sports. And it wasn't until we added rowing, softball, and soccer later on that we got up to the 11 women's sports we have now. So Texas has been at a disadvantage, and you compare to Stanford, Stanford has 31 sports that they can score points wow. in. Wow. 15 men's, 16 women's teams. So their opportunities to score points, both in the old scoring system and the new, they just greatly um, outpace Texas in their opportunities, as, as do a lot of the other teams that are at the top of the rankings that we'll talk about later. So that's kind of how the scoring works. That's kind of why Stanford has done so well. And hats off to them. They have a really good athletic department, but they also have a, a large athletic department that favors them in this concept. Right. And doing the quick math, right, that's uh, that's well over a dozen teams that they just get to drop your lowest score, right? So if you have 19, you're scoring them all. If you have 25, you get to drop Six, if I have fingers for that one, uh, you, uh, you you basically just pick your best nineteen. So that's that's where the inherent uh, advantage comes for Stanford. So let's talk let's talk about Texas this year and the scoring. I think the initial uh, spring rankings came out uh, not too long ago. And so, how's Texas looking? Yeah. So after wrapping up the fall and the winter seasons, Texas sits in fifth place. So those rankings actually right now, and this is about the halfway mark in the season. Um, there's still about half of the sports ahead of us. Um, overall, it's Michigan in first place with 761 points. Notre Dame in second with 754. Ohio State, Stanford, and then Texas has 679.5 points. So they're about 90 points behind Michigan right now. And so there, is there like a point value associated for each like place in the finish? Like how does that, how is that calculated? It's kind of complicated and more complicated for this podcast for sure. Um, not that this is a simple podcast. It's really complicated because every sport finishes up a little bit differently. So a championship is worth a hundred points. So your maximum score would be 1900 points if you win 19 national championships. Um, second place is usually 90, third place is 85, but a lot of like the tournament sports, so March Madness, if you're in the round of 64, even if you lose, you just tied for 33rd. Right. If you make it to the round of 32, like the men's basketball team did, well, you just tied for 17. Women's basketball, they made it to the elite eight, so they technically tie for fifth. fifth. So, uh. so the points get very... It's different sport by sport. 
it depends on how big of a bracket there is. Hockey just finished. That's a 16-team tournament. So making the Sweet 16 in hockey isn't as valuable as making the Sweet 16 in basketball. You know, that, that, that's interesting. I, <clears throat> I noticed that Texas reported certain things like that. That that makes a lot of sense where they would report, you know, a, a Elite Eight run as tied for fifth. And that makes a lot more sense in how they did that. Um, it, it helps with some of the round numbers, too, to say, you know, this many top ten finishes because uh, the round of, you know, the, the the round of whichever eight or 16. Yeah, you make it to 16. That's yeah, a, you're that's in. A- top nine finish and yeah that's that's not a burn orange lenses so to speak that's that's how the the director's cup labels it i love it so uh what does texas have to look forward then we know where they sit right now in good position actually uh because you, you you mentioned uh that's fall and winter so that's football's included in that you know volleyball also obviously but you know it doesn't include Gerald and I have said on the podcast, Texas is now a spring sports school. doesn't include a lot of sports that we're currently ranked one, two uh, in, in tennis and in, in, in rowing and in, in some of these sports. So um, when we look forward, uh, Texas currently has a pretty big advantage of other schools in Texas. I want to say when I looked at that list, A&M is 50, TCU 51, Tech 55, Baylor 57. So there's a gap between Texas and everyone else in the state, which settles one debate. But when we look forward uh, at what, what Texas has, um, to potentially score in, I mean, give us give us some thoughts, give us some uh, some 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 maybe some primo picks here. Give us a little insight into what what might happen. Yeah, definitely. And you know, Texas is doing really well. You know, first off, I think you have to look at how Texas is competing with themselves from last year when they won the championship. The cross country teams didn't score last year. Soccer didn't score last year. All of those teams had postseason finishes, so that was plus a hundred points. And obviously, we had great finishes with both track teams, the men's indoor championship, volleyball disappointed <laughs> by making the elite eight, um, you know, women's basketball killed it again. So Texas is actually 120 points ahead of where they were last year. Nice. So even though they're in fifth, this is a strong position for Texas because yeah, the spring, the spring is strong. So coming up in the spring, Texas has the chance to win well, looking at the rankings, they're ranked number one in three sports. That's rowing and, and both of the track and field teams. They have three sports ranked in the top 10 and three sports ranked in the top 15. So when you look at the competition, um, those, those schools that we mentioned earlier, I see Notre Dame going to fade big time. Um, they only have eight teams in the top 25. Ohio State is going to have a lot of top 25 finishes, but they're not really pushing for national championships in top 10. So you're going to be looking at a top three of Michigan um, and Stanford and Texas. Those are going to be the three schools really duking it out here. And, you know, Stanford's going to win some national championships. They're going to have three top 15 finishes as well, most likely, but Texas has three more teams ranked in the top 10 compared to Stanford. So I think Texas beats out Stanford and, and then I think the biggest competition is actually going to be Michigan. I would not be surprised if Stanford not only, um, you know, fails to win, which is kind of their standard at this point after winning yeah. 25 in a row. I don't think they win it. I think they might actually fall down to third. Hot take alert. The- Michigan <laughs> right? in second place. That, I, I love it. This is what you listen to the Longhorn Republic for right here is these – absolutely scalding caliente hot takes you, you heard it stanford is finished 
So, so we, we, and we, we were, were talking, talking over. He, he, he didn't, didn't say Stanford. Stanford. So what was the other piece of information, information that Kyle and I were hearing over? Michigan, I think, is going to land in second place. So that means we're hearing a, a, a prediction on the podcast live on the air. You're you're predicting, you know, like like election night in America. These are never wrong. You're <laughs> predicting uh, Texas to uh, to 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 defend the the title and keep the cup in its rightful home of Austin. Stop stop the count. Texas is going to be the champion. <laughs> Brett, if you called this on the podcast, we're going to start our, our calling our football predictions. Podstradamus, brought to you by Brett Wilkinson. We're going to we're going to name Podstradamus right. after you if you called it here on this podcast. As long as there's no financial contribution, yeah, Texas, <laughs> Michigan, Stanford. I love it. So, so Brett, you you do regular updates on this. So, like, um, if if folks want to follow along with that, like, where can they find that on on the internet? Yeah, I spent some time on um, Horn Sports. I think y'all mentioned being friends with uh, Aaron Carrera over there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's great, dude. A, a discussion I have over there. It's called the Directors Cup thread. You can check in there. Um, there's not a lot coming because this this comes in waves, right? So you got to yeah. wait for championship season. So hockey finished up. I actually paid attention to the men's hockey. Michigan <laughs> was the favorite. Um, University of Denver. Rise up, knocked him yes. out in the final four. All right. Uh, and you know what? I'm going to pay more attention to the uh, men's and women's gymnastics competitions than I thought I might. But other than that, there's no championships for a while. So a little bit of a dead period as Texas progresses through these spring seasons. And then obviously things are really going to heat up near the end of the semester. I really hope Texas makes it easy for you by just winning both track and field rowing, uh, both tennises, and let's call it baseball. Just make it real <laughs> without a doubt, you know, five to six more national championships coming. Uh, you know, makes your job easy. Yeah, we'll have to see, um, you know, if we can follow the golf U thread here, big win by, by Scotty and, you know, I know y'all mentioned the Cootie brothers getting hot, so I wouldn't be surprised to see that men's golf team jump up the ranks as well. Uh, like, like I said, to call them number twelve, you can you can pick one or two, but not both. You know they, that that number needs to be divided uh, extremely. But yeah, I I like it. I like it. Another another dark horse. Uh, men's golf could be in there. Could be our our seventh national championship of the spring. Uh, thank you, Brett. This was this was fun. This was one of my fo- most fun segments because uh, Gerald and I talk about this and we, we try to keep tabs, but you actually just crystallize it in a way that makes, I, I feel like I honestly went to a, a, a professor, you know, in, in college that you, you actually learned something in that class, you know, and you're like, <laughs> oh, I liked that class. That's how I feel. So if people have listened to all of our podcasts for six years and never learned something, I hope today for the first time they actually learned something. Cause I know I did. This is, this is intro to director's cup. We'll have to come back for the one Oh two session. Um, <laughs> Here, here later in the spring. We will absolutely have you back on in May when all of this shakes out and you can tell us uh, just how right you were, Brett. Thank you so <laughs> much again. Uh, you, like I, have small children, so we won't keep you too long because I know uh, you've got to reset the house and then get some sleep. You, you know it all too well, so thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure was ours. Thanks, man. All right, Gerald. Now let's take a look at the world through some burnt orange lenses. I actually love Brett. Given given our, our, our segue shout out when he mentioned the burnt orange lenses uh, as he was going, but we are getting ourselves take a look at some, some items here in the world through burnt orange lenses. Gerald, let's start at the top. I've been waiting to talk about this 
all week just to put it on record because obviously it is not official news until it's been on this podcast. <laughs> Scotty Scheffler became the third Texas Longhorn, Texas men's golf alumni to win the Masters, the vaunted green jacket. Uh, there have been many major champions representing the University of Texas. Ben Crenshaw won both the Masters 84 and 95. Tom Kite never won a Masters, but did win the 92 U.S. Open. Mark Brooks won 96 PGA. Justin Leonard, the 97 Open. Spieth, we know, won the Masters in 15. He also won the Open that year, as well as the 2017 Open, and now Scheffler with the 2022 Masters. I did want to give a shout-out to uh, uh, Twitter user Park Presnell, who pointed out, uh, I try to be better than this, but pointed out that I, like all of the golf world, the Texas Twitter world, generaltwitter.com world, he was the only one to point out that, no, there are 10 other major champions. Betsy Rawls had eight, and Sherry Steinhauer had two on the uh, the LPGA. So uh, a, a one more feather in the cap for the Texas golf uh, totality. But Scotty, just unbelievable. Uh, every round under par he was the hottest golfer in the world you figured it would be a silly bet to bet on him because the masters always kind of likes to, to to drag the favorite a bit and and someone come out of the woodwork gerald did besides the the beautiful bird chirping the the, the glass-like water reflections and the the zen-like sound of jim nance voice and the, <laughs> the luscious greens how excited were you to watch our boy Scotty? Man, it was it was fun to watch. I mean, I I I'm like the most casual of casual golf fans, but you get Tiger Woods back and Scotty Scheffler uh, on a heater. Like it's we have to prepare ourselves to live in a world where Scotty Scheffler never loses a, a golf tournament again. I think at the <laughs> when he won the Masters, it was four four tournament wins at 57 days or something stupid like that. So like there are there are two-month-old babies that have never lived in a world where Scotty Scheffler did not win the golf tournament. Like, that's the <laughs> that's the world in which they live, and it's I think it's a reality that they need to be prepared for for the rest of their days. It's like, Scotty Scheffler will win every golf tournament from here on out until the world collapses in on itself. Yeah, I, I mean, look, like, it, it was no guarantee. He's only the fifth ever golfer to be number one and and win, right? And, and two of those are Tiger. Um, it, it doesn't, it, it's, it's, it's such a hard course there's so much pressure there's so many eyes on you you have the patrons you know it's it's jam-packed uh with with folks watching there's just a pressure cooker scotty actually said uh, i believe it was you know sunday morning before the final round he he cried in the morning just just he said you know the pressure just got to him he just broke down and cried it seemed to be cathartic because he did what he needed to do but i mean it, it was it was a fun tournament he was so locked in. There was a couple guys. Rory on Sunday was amazing. Watching Tiger, you know, make the cut and, and kind of be where he was. And and even though Spieth didn't make it, and he would have been another fan favorite, there was make the cut. There was uh, there was just some good golf played, but none none as consistent or as as high end as Scotty across four days. And it was kind of funny when every fan on on social media the announcers anyone who knew anything or watched any bit of golf was just praising scotty for basically you know a couple bogeys here and there but a perfect round all the way through and he's on 18 and it's one i think he's at that point five maybe six strokes up like it's just he can't lose uh he four putts on 18 like just to show 
that he's human. I jokingly tweeted out that uh, he's so humble that he didn't want to show up the, the crowd. He wanted them to look a little closer in the history books. But just just a, a perfect weekend for a guy who's on honest, honest to goodness, one of the top five heaters in the history of golf, VJ Singh, Tiger Woods. Um, you know, there, there's a couple who who had a couple runs that that, that might uh, deserve some some commentary there but he's as hot as any golfer's been and and he's 25 i don't think he's slowing down so just fun uh golf you also confirmed it with our 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 texas cowboys historian spieth did not join texas cowboys he was about to but then he left school so this is the first green jacket for the for the texas cowboys so i'll claim that one as uh as my own um but yeah this is uh this is fantastic Gerald, we have one more golf uh, piece of news. Pearson Cootie was named this week to the Fred Haskins uh, Award Spring Watch List. The, the 16 uh, best uh, golfers in college uh, are, are nominated at this point, and one will prevail. He's currently number one in the latest PGA Tour University rankings uh, that came out on April 6th, April 6th after he came back for one tournament and just crushed the field and set records with the lowest round in school history. So we we're feeling good uh, about Pearson Cootie, maybe being the next, next Longhorn uh, at golf you in the pros next year. It's wild. We said it on last week's podcast, like Pearson Cootie comes back and Texas wins its first two tournaments since the big 12 match play, which happened to be the last tournament that Pearson Cootie played in. So like there's a one-to-one correlation between the Pearson Cooties and Texas winning tournaments. And so um, we're not shocked by this performance from the golf team. We're not shocked uh, that Pearson is trending up as Texas needs him to. All the Cooties. Uh, so if you thought uh, one, one green jacket and one finalist for an award was nice, how do you like seven, Gerald? Seven. Come on with it former Longhorn set for the 2022 NBA playoffs. That's LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, Jared Allen, Kevin Durant, Jackson Hayes, Kai Jones, our boy. He's on the the playoff roster for the Hornets. Tristan Thompson and uh, our boy, Mr. Shoes himself, P.J. Tucker, on playoff rosters. Uh, I'm excited for any one of them to make a run. Uh, we'll, we'll see who gets the deepest. Uh, it's like a March Madness within themselves, <laughs> uh, which I love that we have that many guys, not just in the NBA, but in the playoff hunt. Um, but, Gerald, before I go any deeper, did you see Jackson Hayes uh, maybe send Steven Adams into early retirement with a just – utterly disrespectful dunk over him earlier this week it hurts me personally because i'm actually a steven adams fan he was in i'm i'm located in oklahoma city and he played in oklahoma city for a while and like steven adams is an incredible human being and like a really hilarious one to boots like it really hurt me personally to see that but jackson hayes absolutely murdered him i love steven adams and and i love that every single thing about that memphis team that actually just like has fun playing basketball i love that but i also love that kai jones and jackson hayes are putting the nba and, and greg Brown to some extent are putting the NBA on notice that if if you are standing in the lane when they have the ball they may not do a ton of things good but man that might be your dunk contest for years to come uh, especially Hayes and and Kai Jones just slamming it all over did want to give a shout out in addition to the seven players there are two coaches Matt Hill is an assistant coach with the ninth seed Atlanta Hawks and Royal Ivy is an assistant coach for the Brooklyn Nets one more piece of basketball news, Gerald, I guess two uh, sections. Let's start with the men on campus or formerly on campus. Courtney Ramey uh, entered in the transfer portal. Uh, he did say he was going to explore the NBA draft options, but uh, also entered the transfer portal and apparently 
according to his dad, uh, in addition to a half dozen or so other offers, he had some big, big names, uh, including Kentucky, Villanova, Gonzaga, basically all of uh, Wisconsin, basically all the Big 12 and TCU, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and one that shouldn't surprise anyone, Marquette. Uh, surprised that all that Courtney Ramey is, is, is one of the hotter names in the portal? I mean, Courtney Ramey is probably one of the better defenders that's in the portal. Like, I think a, a team that's looking for a one-year kind of lockdown defender that, that needs that role, it makes sense. You and I have said, new, like, the guy that Courtney Ramey locked down in two games won most outstanding player for the national championship game. He's the reason why one of the big reasons why other than a buckling floorboard that Kansas managed to win that national championship. And so um, he like the only way he could have done better defending. I, oh, oh, I can't ever say his name correctly, but um, Ochai Abadji. Yeah, Ochai Abadji. The only way he could have done better defending Abadji is to like literally bury him underneath Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Like it's the only way he could have done it better. <laughs> and so like these teams know, and especially the Big Twelve teams, like they know what Courtney Ramey can do. And Chalk is smart, knows what Courtney Ramey can do, especially on the defensive end of the floor. And so like it makes sense. Like he is a good player, regardless of what Texas fans feel about his offensive production be interesting because it, depending on what his NBA comp says and what he needs to work on may determine where he goes. If they say really lean into being a three and D guy. And if we see that you could be picked next year, then yeah, maybe he goes to one of those contenders and becomes the missing piece on a Kentucky or Gonzaga or Villanova, um, you know, to, to really be the clamps that shut down all through an NCAA tournament run, right? The best defender on the court and gets drafted off of that. Uh, or, you know, do they say, Let, we want to see you as a ball handler? Does he go to a different school to really be the guy? It's interesting to, to see what will happen next for him. Well, I'll be watching and we'll be rooting him on after a, a nice career here on the 40 Acres. And on the women's side uh, of the basketball world, <laughs> Vic Schaefer. Uh, Vic Schaefer's on monster.com, Gerald. Vic Schaefer <laughs> is... Uh, is this is where we should have a uh, if you're listening to this and you are an advertiser for one of the zip recruiter whatever sites this is where we would read your ad basically because Vic Schaefer is in desperate need of uh, monster.com monster where jobs no he's in desperate need of some coaches Gerald they will have an entirely new coaching staff for the 2022-23 season for the Texas women's basketball team and it's 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 not a bad thing right these are all symptoms of success uh he went out he's already replaced uh one head coach uh at the university of auburn who was a longtime assistant for him uh and then brought in uh two new people who both did one year in the in the vic finishing school and, and got promotions right we'll, we'll start with chronologically uh deanna jackson durrett was hired as the head coach of the university of missouri kansas city uh any idea what their mascot is Gerald? kangaroos Dang, you're good. The fighting ruse. Uh, I believe their last coach just got a Big Twelve head coaching job, so uh, it's it's a setup for success type of program there for uh, DJD. And then uh, April Phillips was hired as the head coach at San Jose State a couple days later. And finally, Calamity McIntyre uh, uh, of the the Reba. Yes, of the Reba McIntyres, uh, was hired as an associate head coach at the University of Illinois, uh, going back to her old boss at Dayton, who she'd worked under uh, for a Shauna Green, who she'd worked under for a few years after she got the head coaching job at Illinois. So three promotions, but three vacant spots. Uh, Schaefer's daughter, Blair, is not a coach on staff. She's 
on the staff, not one of the three uh, assistant coaches. So uh, it'll be curious if it's internal promotions, if it goes back to some people he used to coach with, maybe Texas A&M is a name I've heard, or, you know, he goes out and gets the the young, hot um, commodity that might be a head coach in two or three years, you know. So it'll be very interesting to see where Vic goes. Um, There's a lot of talent on this roster. They were preseason way too early, top 25, number four. So if you're a coach – this might just be where you want to be. I'm fine with Texas becoming like uh, your coronation for your head coaching gig. Like I'm fine with that. Come to Texas, make a couple of final four runs, win a natty, and then go take the Vic Schaefer method and model and, and um, build another one of these elsewhere. And it just only spe- it really it only becomes a recruiting advantage for Texas because like this guy's so good. Head coach here, head coach here, head coach here, head coach and waiting over there. Like it's it's advantageous for Texas for this to happen, and there's there's nothing wrong with it. It sucks to see them go, and Schaefer's gonna find he's well connected, and I think it's awesome to see all these uh, talented coaches that are that are gonna do big things at the next spots. Success on all parties. We we wish lots of success yes. for Vic and whoever's in that spot, and also for Lauren Ebo. Now, success, Gerald, is is. Something that Texas baseball has done for years, and a couple uh, former players, I, I want to just just note here. First of all, uh, absolute success. Taylor Youngman's jersey, uh, his number twenty six jersey, to be retired by the Texas baseball program. Uh, the two time All American and the twenty eleven Dick Hauser Trophy winner. Again, that goes to the best player in college baseball. Uh, is the eighth player to have his jersey retired joining Scott Bryant, Roger Clemens, Burt Hooten, Brooks Kieschnick, Keith Moreland, Greg Swindell, Houston Street. Uh, a lot of those guys in our Mount Rushmore conversation. Some of those guys still uh, call games for the Longhorn Network, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Texas baseball. I mean, they, they are probably our premier when it comes to coverage, expectation, execution, and history program on the campus, right? Like right after you and I graduated from college, like I remember like tuning in and seeing him uh, play. Mm -hmm. This dude is incredible. Like I'm upset that we didn't get to watch him on campus because it's just absolutely just a monster. So it's it's awesome to see him finally get the recognition he deserves. A man who just seemed to go out and throw nine innings a night. Yeah, I think he 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 had uh, that that season 2011. I think he had like six complete games. It was wild. Like just just you knew what you were getting out of him. When we talk about. Friday night starters, pure power, lock it in consistency. That's your guy. Another player, though, Gerald, who uh, has grown probably even from his time on the 40 Acres, uh, a player who's great at UT, but I'm loving his MLB career. Uh, and, and as they kick off the majors, he was the most memorable, I think, in the league, but certainly of Longhorn uh, alumni. D- did you catch... The self-proclaimed captain, uh, which he's been calling himself now for two years, uh, solidifying it by by coming out on opening day in a boat. Is he actually a team captain, or is this strictly nautical? Like, I need to know. I need a distinction there. I don't believe they have a captain, or if they do, it's not belt. But <laughs> he, I, I think they don't have a captain. But he self-proclaimed during the the pandemic. Uh, proclaimed himself the captain. Then he went on an absolute tear, kind of was the locker room leader by all reports. Um, But yes, he, I mean, the guy 
is from East Texas, right? Like yep. he he hosted a fishing tournament in February in Texas. The guy is on the water. Uh, you know, it makes sense. He also in his rookie hazing, I think, dressed as a captain and made them dress in the the, the sailor boy short shorts. Um, you know, so it's all in good fun, but it's really grown into like something that that is very big for the Giants. But I I don't know the backstory exactly about how he got this done or who put the idea on the table or, or who had to approve it, or maybe they snuck it by. Um, but nonetheless, uh, it was on every major news channel. Uh, and, and, you know, he went out and backed it up. They, uh, <laughs> he came out of the left field wall wearing a captain's hat and, and threw baseballs and, and was pulled in a boat. And then they went out and won the game. So they are undefeated when the captain uh, comes out on a boat. So I don't know why you wouldn't do it every year all right gerald uh and finally ut's disc golf team came in second place the 2022 collegiate disc golf championships falling to missouri and marion north carolina unfortunately these points do not count this is a club uh uh second place they don't count towards the director's cup but uh you know we we have a long history between the the quidditch team the uh <laughs> between the the Quidditch team, the the, the disc golf, um, I, I believe the men's uh, baseball club team won a national mm. championship. Uh, the men's soccer team has competed. I don't know if they've won, but has competed for national championships. So the the UT club sports scene is also dominant. I was about to ask for a Quidditch Cup update. I don't think we had it last year due to COVID, but I'm excited to see the uh, the the latest uh, COVID uh, not COVID the latest Quidditch uh, results. I <laughs> I need to find out if uh, my favorite chaser has uh, has has gotten us another natty. I'll 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 have to ask you to do your own research, Gerald. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> let's wrap it up, Gerald. What are you watching on your giant screen? Talk to us about the Godzilla Tron. So not a not a whole lot of new to report up to date on Atlanta, which continues to be one of the funniest shows and one of the smartest shows on TV. Uh, not an easy watch this week, but it was a poignant commentary on the current uh, state of affairs. We'll just leave it at that. And I'm just going to go ahead and take the mask off fully. I've been watching a ton of anime lately because it doesn't require me to be like very, um, like it's all very good and I enjoy it, but it doesn't require like very serious watching and not thinking about it. It's not deep that I need to think about and ponder on. It's like, um, and there's obviously plot lines <laughs> to go along with. And I love it. I grew up, I lived in Japan for three years and used to watch it in Japanese when I lived there. And so I still watch it to this day as a 35 year old man, because it's, cool stuff to watch when I'm folding laundry. I've got three kids. There's a lot of laundry to fold. So that's been my recent as of late. I'm also still uh, reading Moon Knight comics because I'm, again, a large child. Gerald, if you don't want to think too much and want to watch one guy kick another guy, might I might I suggest to you that... that uh, um Stone Cold Steve Austin was just recently at at WrestleMania. Oh, I saw you know, that. Get, get <laughs> that that's uh, you know may not may not have um, the nuanced writing of of the anime, but uh, beautiful stories nonetheless. No, I kid. Um, if, if you like watch wrestling, that's that's awesome. I did for a lot of years, but uh, what I watched this year or this week, excuse me, um, was a show that I am very big on. This is one of the most I thought it would be. I had I'm I'm the the perfect sucker niche target demographic it's me i'm who they're looking for um hbo's winning time i talked about it in the podcast that i was excited to watch it i've now uh watched and and caught up and it is it's awesome like it's fun um it has like some stuff I, i'm a I was a basketball writer for years covering the Spurs, not the Lakers, but uh i i'm a, I'm a relative nba historian there are some things that i didn't really 
know or remember or some names that maybe it goes a little deeper and shines a light on uh, some big figures who who don't have, have been lost a little bit to history if you're not just a Lakers fan. But ultimately, it's a show about an incredibly charismatic actor playing Magic Johnson being awesome, John C. Riley uh, being Jerry Buss, and he's unbelievable in it. Uh, there's so many great actors. I mean, Sally Field plays uh, Buss's mom. Um, there is uh, a Adrian Brody is Pat Riley, young Pat Riley. Uh, you know, the, the cast is is utterly silly at every turn. The writing is fun, and they wink and they joke. And it's not too serious. Like, this show doesn't need to be. It's just, like, an easy, fun... I can't recommend it high enough. Like, highly enough. It is a perfect thing just to... If you're watching those shows you talked about where you have to think, it's a perfect thing to put on on the... You know, and, and cleanse the palate a bit. It's just... It's... You've been on a diet and you're eating you're eating grilled chicken and vegetables. Like it's a fantastic piece of chocolate cake just to like have on your cheat day. You know, it's it's amazing. I I'm like this feels like one that I'm going to want to uh, binge for some reason. I really it feels like a binger, and so I'm waiting and I just want to consume uh, the whole thing in one sitting. Like that's what what my my goal is, and have you you've heard, have you heard the story about Adam McKay and um, Will Ferrell and it ruining their friendship? It, yes, and, and and at first I was like, man, Ferrell would have been fun as Jerry Buss, but no, it, it, like he made the absolute right decision. John C. Riley is perfect yeah. as Jerry, but like his his like pathos of he can play like a like man child or a dirtbag or a whatever and like make you root for him. Like Jerry Buss is like you know, a questionable figure. Like he was kind of a playboy who wasn't always the best in marriages or relationships or business deals, but like he bought in and did really lean the heck in and built the Lakers into what we now know and think of the Lakers, right? It's fun. I was thinking about as a Spurs fan, red McCombs of this era (laughs) and him being kind of responsible, very different, but responsible for the Spurs being in San Antonio and that franchise existing and just how close all of this was to falling through before bird and magic and like making NBA what it is now. Like there's a joke in one of the early episodes where they talk about uh, it's young uh, Stern commissioner Stern talking about like TV ratings and like, well, we might get golf and uh, like tennis. Like that's, that was their target. Like, can we, pip them in the ratings you know that basketball was not kind of the number two sport right football basketball i think is probably the way the ratings shake out today it was not that and this is why this era uh, of basketball and it's just fun i mean it's so far just a fun hang you mean to tell me that the guy that did both gangs of new york and talladega nights has range is that what you're telling me that's all we've got for you this week kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet oh you can follow me on twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. Follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Gooder. Try show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Best athletic program time.